Hi, this is Richard Swartz with Information Security Media Group, publishers of BankInfoSecurity.com and CUInfoSecurity.com. Today we'll be speaking with Mr. Rob Pate, who is Deputy Director for Outreach and Awareness for the National Cybersecurity Division at the Department of Homeland Security, DHS. Mr. Pate is also a founder of the Government Forum of Instant Response and Security Teams, GFIRST. GFIRST is the first U.S. government-only information sharing group dedicated to incident response and security teams. The group has grown from 12 initially invited members to over 1,000, representing approximately 100 different government incident response teams across the nation. Before joining DHS, Mr. Pate was the Director of Strategic Operations for the United States Computer Emergency Response Team, U.S. CERT. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. Well, could you please explain for our listeners your responsibilities as the Deputy Director for Outreach and Awareness for the National Cybersecurity Division, and also how do you interact with the banking and finance community? Absolutely. Uh, you know, a little bit about NCSD and, and, and our job at NCSD. Our job is at NCSD is to help government agencies, federal, state, and local, and the private sector, as well as our international partners to better defend themselves against cyber attacks and disruptions also uh if you if you want i'll t- i'll touch briefly a little bit on on u s cert and then we can uh <clears throat> we can touch on the financial sector things that we were talking about if you're not familiar with u s cert the united states computer emergency response team that's the uh focal point point for cyber incident response for the nation one of our uh the ways that we're meeting our goals is uh by the establishment of our 24 by 7 cybersecurity watch and warning center called US CERT. US CERT works closely with the public, private, and international partners on cyber incident detection as well as response and reconstitution after uh, incidents occur. A couple of the, uh, the key elements that uh, we, we are involved in are the National Cyber Alert System and, as you touched on, the uh, the GFIRST community, which is made up of a, a large uh, community of incident responders. Uh, some of the elements, uh, you know, are, are things that I'd like to bring up that uh, relate to our financial sector is, you know, and, and messages that I think the NCSD wants to make sure that we uh, we communicate to the financial sector is, as a financial institution, uh, your customers, your families, and your fellow citizens all count on you to get their paychecks, pay their bills, and uh, to keep our uh, $13.5 trillion economy moving. America owes uh, much of our economy's success to our open and transparent society, but these strengths uh, also leave us vulnerable to our adversaries whose motives may be criminal or terrorist in nature. And I guess the bottom line is NCSD is here to help by putting security first uh, we can work together to keep the $5.5 trillion in funds that flow every day through U.S. financial systems out of the hands of criminals and terrorists. So NCSD has a large role in critical infrastructure protection? The the department as a whole, I mean, critical infrastructure protection is uh, is is extremely important to the department. You know, DHS is uh, focused on protecting... Uh, national, the national cyberspace, because online vulnerabilities can have real, real world consequences, and I think that's a, a message that uh, we need to continue to communicate to folks out there. It's kind of like something that it, <clears throat> that uh, I think is very parallel. If you, you look at the seatbelt campaign 
and how long it took for uh, for that to catch on. And uh, I think we're seeing the same thing with with cybersecurity. You know, folks, uh, you know, to hear about the consequences of of cyber attacks and making sure they understand that, yeah, these online vulnerabilities can have physical and real-world consequences is a message that we want to continue to keep hammering home with folks. And, you know, it's funny because I think about when I was a little kid riding in the car with my parents and, you know, we had seat belts in the car, never wore them. But now when I'd go down the street, I mean, I won't go a block without having my seatbelt on. And I think, you know, the education aspect is something we want to continue focusing on. I was curious about your experiences. Rob, you are a knowledge expert in incident response and intrusion detection. How did you get your experience and uh, how did you get started in information security? Um, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting, you know. I uh, I was fortunate enough uh, to be involved in uh, uh, information security and uh, CERT capabilities before 9-11. And it, it's interesting because back before 9-11, uh, it, it seems like there <laughs> not a lot of people were interested in uh, security or, and much less cybersecurity. You know, my my backgrounds in mathematics, uh, I always found it kind of interesting. And uh, you know, looking at the ways uh, that people would uh, probe networks, uh, you know, and and if you look back historically at hackers, I mean, you know, they were they were folks that were uh, were looking at trying to solve problems. Uh, you know, at least initially, and now that obviously has changed to to more of the uh, the state-sponsored, uh, you know, cyber crime and and uh, cyber terrorists. Uh, one of the things that is really interesting is, you know, our adversaries of today are really, uh, you know, they they're PhD level skill set attackers. They're not, uh, you know, just people that are are poking around or or just the the script kiddies that are defacing websites that we have seen in the past. I'm also curious about your experience coordinating um, incident response centers for large organizations. When you were with the Federal Computer Incident Response Center, your responsibility for vulnerability management and patch management, what lessons did you learn that we could apply in terms of managing vulnerabilities and also coordinating such large-scale efforts? Well, you know, I, I think what I've found, and, you know, it, it, it has been a very interesting journey, is... Uh, I mean, one of the things I, I've been involved in, and, and it was very enlightening, is you know taking a, a look at your incident response capability, and and what does that actually mean? I mean, a lot of people, you know, out there might say they have an incident response capability, and when they look at it, as you know, I mean, if you're involved in an incident response, it's is it an incident reporting capability? Or is it an incident response capability? And what are the components of an incident response com- capability? And what I've found is you really can break it down into four uh, areas, uh, protection, detection, response, and uh, sustained capability. What, what I've, you know, one of the, the, the true lessons learned over the years has been that, you know, you can have really smart guys, you know, doing the protection, uh, you can have uh, very uh, very robust detection capabilities, whether you're looking at net, net flow analysis, uh, IDSs, or other technologies out there. You can have skilled people on the monitors. And even on the response capability, you got your handful of guys with the go bags that can go out and take care of business. But where I have found 
um, a lot a lot of time has not been spent is in the sustain area you know making sure that if you know somebody on your team gets hit by a bus what happens we you know where the checklist the procedures the policies that keep your your operation up and alive beyond just you know the couple guys that are keeping things uh put together so i mean i, I think that's you know an area that all uh incident response capabilities and folks that are interested in this area need to focus on you really need to make sure and it's tough for the techies i mean believe me uh you know making sure that you take the time you write down the policy the procedures and the checklist and you capture the knowledge from these technical folks is key you know knowledge management and retaining this as people move in and out of your security organization is absolutely essential to maintaining that incident response capability for the longer term. Well, if I was going to be staffing up a CERT team or an incident response team, what key skill set should I be looking for in the people that I hire? I, I think that's really a financial, I mean, it's it's really going to be determined by what are the uh, available, what's the available financial support that you have for your incident response capability. I mean, the challenge is, I mean, I look at our organization and I look at some of the very technical uh, key people that we have in our on our malware analysis team. When you get guys that can reverse engineer malcode, first of all, they're very difficult to find. Second of all, their skill set and talent is uh, is high in high demand. So if you if you get them. You know, holding on to them is very difficult. <clears throat> so I, you know, I, I look at at least in the federal government, the resources that we've built. Hopefully, making them available as much as possible to other organizations that they can leverage the capabilities that we have, and that you don't see the dollars getting spent, you know, over and over again across across the government. So the skill sets are, are very difficult to find. What I think, you know, at least at an, an initial capability, I mean, you do need to have at least a Tier 1 incident responder. This is, you know, if you think about, uh, you know, first aid training and, uh, you know, you're, you're a lifeguard, you arrive to the scene, you want to make sure that you're able to, you know, stop the bleeding and uh, at least... Uh, keep things under control until, uh, you know, a Tier 3 or an advanced incident responder. And in this case, if you you think about CPR and arriving to the scene as the nurses and doctors come on or the EMTs are able to take over. And I think that just basic incident response training is uh, very key. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to mention is, you know, we have uh, within NCSD, we've looked at uh, skill sets across a number of domains and uh, we've come up with an essential body of knowledge that's identified skill sets and uh, I, I believe we'll, we'll be release, releasing that publicly in October that will help uh, to really identify this, the key skill sets for, for the different components within the cybersecurity arena. I'm sure it'll be a great resource for everyone. I was curious, if you were still manning a, a watch and warning desk, what would you be worried about? What would be keeping you up at night? What would what would be keeping me up at night? Uh, that that's kind of interesting. It, it I just uh, had a, a discussion with uh, 
a, a CISO for a state, and it was interesting to hear what uh, you know they were talking about keeps them up at night, and it it was different from what keeps me up at night. And they were talking about the insider threat, and you know there's a lot of different areas that uh, you know people focus on, but I'll I'll tell you. Uh, I don't know if it's the thing that keeps me up the most at night, but it's definitely an area that, you know, we need to pay a lot of attention to, and it's really the home user. And the reason I say that is because it's such a gigantic place, uh, you know, it's such a gigantic footprint, and making sure that the education's out there for the home user. Yeah, of course, the insider threat, that's, uh, you know, that's that's very sexy, and that's, you know, it, it, of course it's important and people, you know, want to focus on it. You know, the state-sponsored attacker, of course those are in mind. But, I mean, the the, uh, the home user is definitely making sure that they uh, are educated and, and aware that, you know, their machines uh, can have uh, an impact on the, the uh, infrastructure and, and knowing that, hey, you know, just because you're on the Internet, uh, you know, th- these resources can be used used for different things. Um, I wanted to, to touch on the fact that, you know, there there are there there are two things that, that are very key is, you know, one is we need to make sure that uh, there are new new recruits needed. That you know the federal government, you know, our scholarship for service programs, I mean our adversary, like I said, our PhD level uh experts and, and making sure that we get the folks uh supporting America you know, in government and also within our companies that are, are helping to uh, to fight the battle for us is is essential. Also, the fact that you know the cyber crime industry is is absolutely a growth industry. You you've seen the fact that uh, our adversaries, organized crime, have gravitated toward the cyber arena. You look at the carding sites out there. You look at the shadow crew investigation that uh, took place. Where Secret Service uh, nailed this uh, this big online uh, carding, uh, where they were trading uh, not only uh, information on credit cards but anything imaginable. You know, the criminals have figured out, hey, there's a lot of money to be made in the cyber arena, and they're definitely gravitating in that area. Well, thank you for your time today, Rob. It's been great information. I really appreciate the time to talk with you. Well, thank you for listening to another podcast with Information Security Media Group. To listen to a selection of other podcasts or to find other educational content regarding information security for the banking and finance community, you can visit www.bankinfosecurity.com or www.cuinfosecurity.com.